Welcome everyone this morning. My name is Melissa. I'm one of the staff members here at Emmaus and we're really glad you're here today. So thankful that every week I feel like I see faces that I have not seen for quite a while and it is a joy to see you and um, to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, if you need a Bible or notes this morning, will you just raise your hands? The ushers will be coming by and you can kind of follow along with the notes this morning or Bible if you need one. Um, today we're going to continue our series called New Year, New Resolve. And I don't know, for those of you who've listened, I'm sure most of us have, um, it has been such a treasured reset and sort of this reorientation at the start of this new year of really what our lives should be oriented around. And so if you have missed the last few weeks, I want to encourage you to go online. You can um, listen to the past few weeks' sermons at EmmausCommunity.org, or they're also available where you listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that's just under Emmaus Church Community. And I would encourage you at the start of this new year to, to dig into these teachings and um, to really kind of get some things set straight for the new year if needed or to further encourage your walk with the Lord. And then today, in today's case, we're going to be hearing about community. So I want to, would you guys welcome Leah McKinney as she comes up this morning? She's going to be sharing. It is truly an honor to hear from Leah today. She's going to be sharing on community. And after 22 years of friendship, I can guarantee she practices what she preaches. So thank you, Leah. Oh, thank you. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here. Good morning if you're at home. Um, I actually have something for the kids today. So if you missed it, there are some extra sheets right up front. I have bingo. We're going to play bingo. And so you guys know how this works. I don't care how old you are. You can still play bingo even if you're like in sixth grade. It's okay because I have a treat so, you guys know how this works. If you hear me say a word on the sheet, you mark it off with your crayon. Five in a row gets you one treat. Bingo blackout gets you two. Are we all good? You guys know how this works. Okay, have fun with that. So, if you hear me say the word, mark it off on your sheet. Okay, good morning. Um, as Pastor Nate introduced this series, um, he began with that moment when Jesus was baptized and God makes it known that Jesus is his son. He talked about his identity, that he's well-pleased with him, and that he loves him. And that's kind of the launching point that I wanted to start with um, from today with our passage, John 15, 9. And so John 15, 9 says, Just as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus talking. Jesus, God identified that right there in the river. I have loved you. He's talking to his disciples, and then he says, abide in my love. Abiding indicates a relationship. It's more than just a belief. Um, it's past that moment of decision, a past that moment of baptism, and it's an abiding, a continuing in a permanent state of a relationship with Jesus. Um, and then verse 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. A couple of things I want to point out at the very beginning about this passage. 
um, we were chosen and appointed for service. The purpose here is to go and bear fruit. So he's not just talking about salvation. He's talking about going and doing something. Um, the expression of this fruit is love in the Christian community. That's us. That's you and me. And then a little further down in John 17, 23, he says, This love will bear witness to Jesus before the world and enable some to find eternal life. And so our role in all of this really matters. Jesus is talking about our Christian community here. So we abide in the love of Jesus. It enables us to love one another, and then it leads to fruit that remains. And so I kind of want to talk about three big ideas of how community is kind of informed by this verse. Um, community, a Christian community, is based out, of, based out of love. This love of Jesus, abiding in the love of Jesus, means that we know and we serve one another, that we're together. This should be really, really obvious, but our culture loves Lone Ranger stories, right? I'm going to show my age here with my examples, but I don't know any current examples. So um, everyone's favorite, my favorite movies, right? Jack Bauer in 24. Like he can save the day single-handedly every single time. Jason Bourne in the Identity, Bourne Identity series. Jason Bourne can save the day all by himself every single time, and we love it. Like we, I, we watch it over and over again. We know he's going to do it. We know it's not probable, but we don't care. We love it. Um, Home Alone. Like every 10-year-old's favorite Christmas movie, yes, I'm getting a nod from Lincoln. Thank you. Um, you know, a 10-year-old kid can take out the two bad guys, you know, once, season one, season two, season three, every single time. We love the Lone Ranger stories, right? But that is Hollywood. That's not real life. And so I need a little bit of help. I'm going to say, these are all Bible names. I'll give you a clue. I'm going to say a name. You guys say the name that goes with it. And if you've ever read the Bible, you're probably going to know the answer. So just shout it out. Adam, Eve, Eve. Moses, Aaron. Naomi, Ruth. David, <laughs> Paul had Timothy, and Jesus had his disciples. There are very few, if any, Lone Rangers in the Bible. Um, they, the Bible models, it tells the story of Christian community over and over and over again from beginning to end. It's this picture for us of God intending, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And so today is an invitation as you reconsider these rhythms, as we get back into 2021, of how can we intentionally engage and invest in this community that God has called us to. Um, I'm in a mom group on Facebook, and this woman posted recently, gosh, you know, my husband's job can have us live anywhere we want. Where should we live? And everyone's like throwing out the names of their cities. We love Nashville. We love Roseville. We love, you know, wherever. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not where, it's who. If you get to pick anywhere you want, figure out who do I want to be around? Who do I want to be close to? If I'm like, who are we going to partner with in our kids? Who are we going to partner with in our marriage? Who are we going to partner with in my calling and my life and my purpose? Um, and so this is our community. This is where you are. And I would just want to invite you today to consider how are we going to intentionally dig in and invest and um, just enjoy the fruit of this community. Knowing and serving each other in Christian community requires that you actually let people know you, um, the whole you, not just the shiny parts, not just the 
moments you might put on social media, um, not just the Instagrammable parts, but the whole story. It, rem- it requires letting people into your story, asking for help when it's needed, giving help when it's requested, knowing and serving each other in community um, means you have to be consistent even when it's not convenient. Having been in small group for years, like Tuesday nights are never convenient, but that consistency of showing up leads to fruitful relationships. Um, Showing up when it's awkward. If you're new, it's awkward. I'm sorry, it just is. For like a year, you just have to know that and just keep on showing up again and again and again. If you've been longing for deeper community and you just feel lonely or if you just feel stuck, I just want to encourage you for a moment not to give up, but just keep showing up. Community takes time. Um, and having been here for many years, this is a, this is a soft landing. Keep showing up um, and you will find it. So I just wanted to throw that out as an encouragement this morning. Okay, now the, the good part. <laughs> Christian community... Rooted in God's love, number two, doesn't mean it's without conflict. It doesn't mean it's without disappointments. And it doesn't mean that it's without disagreements. But love, that abiding love of God, um, informs how we handle each of those situations. And so um, it's inevitable that there will be conflict, disappointment, and disagreement in every relationship we have, even in Christian community. How we handle those moments really, really matter. Um, You know, when you begin a Christian marriage, it's an invitation to a, a covenant. And Ken and I have been married for 18 years. We both knew the Lord before we got married, and then we got married. Um... And because of that covenant, there's an understanding that our commitment to one another isn't changed by our conflict, by our disappointments, by our disagreements. Is it stretched? Yes. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. Do I go to bed at night wondering if he's still going to be there in the morning? No. That's not um, the relationship we have. And our Christian community um, also calls us to a high standard of how we handle those challenging moments. And our relationship with Jesus changes how we handle those challenging moments. So I want to dig into a story that I have always been really intrigued with um, for the years that I've read it. And I used to read it when I was a teenager because Leah was in it, and I was trying to figure out why my mom named me Leah, which is like a whole other thing. Anyway, um, So I've been reading this story for years, and I want to just jump into it today. It's in Genesis 31, and it's the story of Jacob and his wives. At the time, it was kind of normal. He had two wives, Leah and Rachel. They were sisters. Um, Here's a really super fast summary. I'm just going to bullet point it for you. You can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to give you the highlights. Um, Basically, Jacob is like got a life of conflict. And so he has to flee his home because he's his brother, he, him and his brother have got some bad blood there. And so Jacob has to leave because um, he's tricked his brother, actually. And so his mother sends him to Laban, who is like a distant relative. And Jacob goes and ends up marrying both of Laban's daughters. The whole thing is a mess because Laban tricks him. He wants to marry Rachel. He gets Leah instead. Then he gets Rachel. And it's like 14 years later, he gets his wives. It's kind of a mess. Through those years 
and the ones after, Laban takes advantage of Jacob over and over and over again. But Jacob is no fool, and he gets rich off of Laban through cleverness and a little bit of deception. Um, Laban starts to figure it out. I love my Bible translation. It says, he becomes not friendly. Um, So this is finally all, like all the conflict of the years, all kind of the abuse and weird dysfunction over the relationship starts to take its toll, and Laban is ready to send Jacob home. Laban figures this out and just flees without telling did I say Laban or Jacob? Jacob leaves without telling Laban where he's, that he's leaving. He just takes off with his wives, his children, all the possessions. He's fleeing the land. Um, but Rachel, being the, her father's daughter, steals the household idols from her dad and, like, takes them with her. So this makes Laban mad. So he chases them down um, because, one, Jacob didn't say goodbye, and, two, to get his idols back. Um, he doesn't find him, by the way, because Rachel tricks him. But there's this conflict between these two men. I think it takes Laban, like, days to track Jacob down. Like, that's how far he's gone with his household, his family, his children, his, you know, Laban's children, Laban's grandchildren. Um, so they finally catch up with each other in verse 44. And then this is what happens. They say, let's make a covenant between you and I. They gather stones, and they make a pillar, and... Laban says, ironically, because he's been kind of the deceptive one, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. God is our witness. Verse 52 and 53 says, this heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness and I will not pass by this heap to you for harm. And you will not pass by this heap and this pillar for, to harm me. The God of Abraham will judge between us. They eat a meal, Laban spends the night, and then verse 55 says, early the next morning, Laban arose, kissed his sons and his daughters, and blessed them, and then he goes back, and Jacob and his family carry on. There are a couple things that we can take from the story on how we handle big conflict in our Christian community. In your disappointments, in your disagreements, here's a couple things to hold on to. One, you always forgive. This is non-negotiable. Jesus talks about this again and again and again. Christina Wilkins had some good words to say on forgiveness um, a few weeks ago, if you watched that message. You seek reconciliation when possible. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. You always forgive as a Christian. You seek reconciliation when possible. Sometimes healthy boundaries are needed. Um, It takes two to reconcile. You don't have control over that. You only have control over yourself. But you always choose to forgive. And then you let God be the judge. You give him the situation. You give him the disagreement. You give him the conflict. And you let it go. You say, I'm not the judge of this. God is the judge of this. And you rest in that. And then you follow that up. You choose to do no harm. Jacob and Laban, I love that visual image of this little pillar of stones. Basically, they were untrustworthy towards each other. They didn't trust each other at all. But just the visual image of a pillar that says, I will not pass by this pillar to harm you in either way. And so for some reason, if Laban wants to go after Jacob, he's going to run into that pillar of rocks. Right, I made an agreement. Sometimes we need to set up a mental or an emotional, even maybe a physical pillar. We, I will not pass this place to harm you. I will not speak against you. I will not um, 
speak harm of you. I will not gossip about you. I'm going to let God be the judge and rest in that and choose not to harm you in this matter, even if you've been wronged. And then Laban, after all of this, he blesses them and they're going. He gives them a blessing. And that is what God calls us to. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, pray for those who despitefully use you. We don't get off the hook on this no matter what. It's not like, oh, God was the judge, you were right, she was wrong, and now you get to have your way. Nope. You bless them no matter what. Um, It's easier to bless people when you're not busy judging them. So just follow that cycle. (laughs) Let God be the judge, choose to do no harm, and then bless them. Broken relationships are one of life's most difficult things to navigate. Um, Friendships that end abruptly, churches that split, marriages that end. Do no harm. Let God be the judge. Bless them in their growing, in their going, whether you agree or not. God doesn't ask you to agree. He asks you to bless them. Some of you may have taken big wounds in your community this year. All the events of this last year has not been kind to our community right? Like on every level, um, from literally being able to see each other to the politics, to COVID, to disagreements, it has not been a kind place for community. Um, And it might be keeping you from investing or going deep again. Old church wounds can keep you from wanting to really invest in a new church. It might feel like it's more than you can do. The wounds between Laban and Jacob were not small. (laughs) They were deep. Um, and I don't share this flippantly like it's an easy thing to do. I have had my share of church splits and all the things that I'm sure you guys have been through as well, broken relationships. Um, I had a good friend that disappeared on me one time. Um, not just one, but disappeared, like done. We had spent days, you know, each week we would spend a few days together, and then she just, she was done. She was gone, and that was such a difficult time for me. But what I held on to was I will bless her. Every time I thought of it, and you want to do harm in your own little mind, I can't believe she'd do that. I can't believe da 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 Nope, you bless. God, I pray for her marriage. God, I pray for her kids. I pray for their ministry. I pray that you would bless them. And you do that over and over and over again. Not because, I don't offer this as, here's the Christian thing to do so you can be good. I offer it as a path of wholeness and healing for your own heart. It is the only way. There is no other way with Jesus. Um, we need hearts that are whole, that we're able to, and so that we can give and receive the love of God over and over again because we are the Christian witness in our communities. And this is why I think Jesus tells us to abide in his love. He knows that living in the brokenness of this world will need divine intervention. Like, we don't have it. We don't have enough. But abiding in Jesus is enough. And the good news is he offers it freely. Um, He will empower you with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, with love, with self-control, with patience to do this again and again. The world is watching how the community of Jesus does this. Um, And they are really paying close attention. So we abide in the love of Jesus. It enables us to love each other well. And it leads us to fruit that remains. And this is the very best part, the fruit of community. The fruit of community um, in our own lives is, you know, comfort, it's growth, it's purpose. It's this beautiful exchange of giving and receiving gives life and it gives purpose to our days. You guys have probably experienced that. I won't get into it that much. 
But what the fruit of our community means to others is so significant. It really matters. In John 17, verse 20, this is Jesus praying. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who believe in me through their message. I'm going to say that again. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, their being the disciples. Verse 23 says this, Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So this love continues. We started with God's love for his son and then Jesus' love for his disciples the love that came into the world through Jesus stayed and is displayed to the world through us. The love that came into the world through Jesus stays in and is displayed to the world through us. And this comes down to individuals. It comes down to you and one person over and over and over again. Um, it is the love of God they experience through you loving them that will lead an impression, leave an impression on their hearts. And so I want to encourage you to take that love with you to your family, to your church, to your schools, to your neighbors, to your neighbor kids, to your work. You just show up over and over and over again. And I just want to say it is no small thing to love your community really, really well. Um, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day about different friendships and different people that she has and just talking about how much it matters of her being like, you know what, Abby, you might be the one person they know that loves God. And so when they think of you, you're associated to God in their minds. And so if you're the one person they know, that really matters for that one person. If they're not hearing about that, if they don't go to church, if they're not talking about God and their families, their parents, you know, that's not a, a conversation that they're having they see a lot of stuff on the news, a lot of stuff out there, but you're the individual that they know. And so your love for your friends, it matters in your school. Um, and it matters for us. So as you get back into life's rhythm, rhythms, um, leave some room for how and when you're going to love your community well. Make a plan and write it down. We all know that we don't do the things that we don't write down. Here are just a few things I do. I just wanted to share. So maybe one of these things will give you a handle to hold on to, a, an action point as you leave today. Um, I try to take a meal to someone once a month. I have it in my calendar. I write it down. I, whether they ask or not, some people I just call. I'm at Costco. Hey, I, do you want a rotisserie chicken? And they say yes. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> and a bag of oranges and a thing of bread, and they're good to go. You can't feed people enough. And I know it seems so silly. You're like, how is taking someone a meal community? It absolutely is, because it's not, community is not just about serving yourself. It's about serving others, and it matters to them. Um, Ken and I regularly talk about who do we want to be spending time with? Have we checked in with our neighbors? Have we checked in with our just different groups of families? Are we... If we're always hanging out with our favorite people, our easy best friends from church, then we're not really invested in our community. So how do we make sure we're loving our neighbors? Um, so we make space for that in our rhythms, in our life, how we, when we celebrate holidays, whatever we're doing. I hold space in my life. I make sure it's not so filled up. I leave room in the margins so that I can serve at church, so I can serve at school, so I can say yes when it comes to community. Right now in this season, Every week, think about who do I need to check in with this week? Um, who do I need to send a text to? 
Who do I need to send a Marco Polo to? Who should I email? Uh, you know, this last year for me, it's been a lot of my friends who live alone. You know, this is a rough year to be someone who lives alone. So a simple text is loving your community well. Back when we used to go places, like birthday parties and sports sidelines, um, I would intentionally, not every time, because sometimes I just need a little bit of space, but I would choose, I'm not going to hide behind a book. I'm not going to hide behind my phone. I'm going to go work the sideline and get to know these families. Um, be the person that introduces yourself and you say hi. Um, say yes to an invitation you wouldn't normally say hi to. These are just ideas of ways to engage your community. Go on the women's retreat. Participate when you have opportunities. I don't care if you're an introvert. I'm an introvert. I don't care if you're kind of shy. I can be kind of shy. Um, you can do it, and it will be worth the investment for you. If you were really wishing that there was a book club or a Bible study or, gosh, I wish our church would do that, maybe you should talk, talk about to one of the pastoral staff about how you could be a part of putting something like that together through hosting or leading or initiating. Start the community that you wish you had. That's my, yeah, start the community you wish you had. Pick something from this list and choose how can I use this in 2021. When Ken and I were early on in our marriage, probably the first year, he was um, unexpectedly out of work. We had bought a house. I was, sorry, Ken. I was, uh, we had bought a house. We had, um, I was in school full time. I had like a tiny little salary hilariously living in Texas, that kind of doesn't matter. We could still pay our mortgage with our tiny little salary. So that was working out for us. But we had like enough to pay our bills and that was about it. And I remember doing our checking, our checkbook one time and I, we had $80 left in our checking account and we were fine, but that was all we had. So it was just a very like, okay, this is where we are before we get paid again. And a friend of a friend, her name was Lisa, left a bag of groceries on my doorstep um, and it had the ingredients and a recipe card for how to make chicken enchiladas. And it was just the best gift because it provided a meal, but it also provided, like, dignity. I'm, like, trying to cook for my family. Like, we're new. It was such a gift, and I have kept that. She wrote the recipe. She even gave me the tinfoil, like, to bake with it. Anyway, she wrote the little recipe on a scrap piece of paper. I still have that little piece of paper. I still make those chicken enchiladas 18 years later. Because it's a reminder of community and the gift of that community. It's a reminder that I was, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not alone. I got you. And that, I can't, I can't tell you how many gifts, I mean, there's been a lot of meals dropped off at our house between babies and whatever. But that one really mattered. And I remember it. And I don't remember all of them, but I remember that one. And the thing is, when you love an individual, you show up that one time. You show up a million times. One of those times, it's going to really matter. And you don't know when that moment is. And so I just wanted to share that chicken enchilada story. Every time I make it, I, I remember that moment, one of God's provision for us, of a friend of a friend I didn't really know that just decided to love on us. Um, and it's just a reminder to do that one moment at a time and let God do the work that he needs to do. Okay. I want to close in prayer with you all. And I'm just going to pray Paul's prayer that he prayed in Ephesians 3. And so close your eyes with me. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.